Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are live. Not actually, because this is a recording. Welcome to Movie House. Thanks so much for joining us yet again for another disappointing movie review by yours truly, Ryan Snelling and PJ Campbell. How are you holding up, man? Uh, it's been a weird couple of days. I really kind of blame it on this movie. It like really threw me into a funk. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Uh, no, I, I'm all right, man. I'm just getting by. Um, just doing some work. Uh, I got a lot going on right now with the Schmodown stuff. And, you know, just doing my best right now to uh, just keep my head saying, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but Arizona just decided to reopen today officially. Um, but that does not mean I'm going outside just yet. I got new masks. Actually, let's do an unboxing real quick. Oh, you should do it. Yeah. All man. right, let's go ahead. PJ, you can't see me, but everybody else can. PJ, watch That's the video true. back so you can experience. I will. <laughs> I want to make sure we get that extra view. That's right. That's right. Um, I've had to order. I think I talked about this last week. I've ordered uh, a couple of uh, new masks from different companies because I'm not really finding one that fits perfectly. I did get, I've forgotten the company now. It was, it was one of those things where, oh, you know what? Oh my God, dude. Yo. Uh, so you can't see this, but I I just opened this up. This, you might not be able to tell uh, audience members, but this is like f- foam. It's it's not a cloth. I'm I'm actually in shock right now that I spent money on this. This is foam. Are you serious? Like, imagine, you know the foam panels I have on my wall, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so just a thin that in the shape of a face mask. I'm I'm literally stunned right now. That is quite the thing. So look, the company name is official, all right? So this is the third type of mask. Not not that the first two weren't good. I was just trying to see if there were better. Uh, Actually, the other two were actually okay. Uh, Just don't... Buy the foam mask from official. That's all I can tell you. Do the research. I'm sure it said it in the description somewhere, and I was just being ne- negligent. But uh, anyway, I, I can't remember the name of the company that I... Uh, hold on. Actually, yeah. So, so far, my favorite masks have come from GarmentDecor.com. They sent me a little card. Thank you for your order. And, uh, I mean, they're just straightforward black cloth masks that go behind your ears. Uh, so if you guys are looking for masks, you can check them out. But anyway, sorry about that whole thing. That was disappointing. That's all right, man. This shit happens, you know. Um, not more disappointing than Capone. Uh, That's let's, true. Let's start there. So PJ and I were kind of making fun of this movie 
off air. This this movie review hopefully will no will not be any longer than thirty minutes because this movie does not deserve to be discussed for uh, in any longer than that. And you you you're not wrong. the The movie Capone we watched it yesterday, which would is what Thursday yesterday. Yeah, uh, this will go up on Saturday. We watched it on Thursday, and it affected me emotionally. Like I told you, I hated the movie. I actively hated watching this movie. And it's a good thing that we didn't record yesterday because I might have gone John Campia on this fucking movie. I, like I really really wanted yeah. to. I wanted to irrationally bitch and complain about how much this movie has damaged me as a human being. Uh no, I'm being obviously dramatic. But I here here's what I'm going to do. We're, we're here to talk about Capone. The movie brought to us by Josh Trank and Tom Hardy. Get right into it, but I'm going to let you start and go wherever you want to go at the risk of me running my mouth and aimlessly wandering every little thing that I hate about this movie. I'm going to let you start and guide the conversation to uh, spare our audience. So please, by the way, is there a way to spoil? Like, Not really. I mean, so... Yeah. I mean, straight up, the movie starts and tells us that this is the last year of Capone's life. So let's just, audience, call it an open discussion about the movie Capone. We do not put a whole lot of weight or merit into this and don't think that it can really be spoiled. So there's yeah. that. Um, what I'll say is this, is that I followed the production of this for quite a bit because the, obviously even the announcement of it coming off Fantastic Four was quite interesting. And the original pitch sounded... Much more interesting than the movie we ended up with, which was the idea of this film where Capone in his last year, sick and just like this very broken individual compared to what we kind of know him as, would be haunted by his past. And that sounds interesting, right? That is not the movie we really ended up with. There are little ghosty things in the movie, but it's not terrifying. It's not haunting. It's this movie's just kind of a mess and aimless and wanders and doesn't do anything. And I actually didn't find this out until we were watching it, that Trank had not only written and directed it, but he also edited it himself. And, and what started. I found, <laughs> yeah, that too. And finding out that the reason he did the edit was he didn't trust anyone else to bring his vision to life. <laughs> and I'm really trying to figure out what exactly his vision was, because this movie is a hot mess from top to bottom. You know what? I, I'd go as far as to say that it's worse than Fantastic Four. Because, look, Fantastic Four is is awful. His Fantastic Four is awful. But you can, like, understand its vision more, I think, than you can with Capone. I, to I told you, I haven't actively hated watching a movie, ironically, since maybe Fantastic Four. That, that might be the easy answer, just because we're probably going to spend some time picking on Trank a little bit. So it might not literally be that, but it, it was definitely similar. I 100% agree with you that this just wanders around aimlessly. There's never any kind of hook to bring you in. Let's start there. Fundamentally, as a movie, I think it's a failure. I don't think there's any hook. The only character that this movie relies on is Tom Hardy and he's almost unbearable to watch or listen to. So everyone else is just so thin. I mean, there's just so yeah. little to this movie period. Yep. And 
I at its core, again, fundamentally, I don't think any of the scenes are good at all. Not they're they're filled with just empty characters, but none of the scenes are written in any way, shape, or form to engage, involve the audience. So I just think straight up before we even get to how he may or may not have failed at bringing Capone to life or bringing the story to life. I just think the movie 101, uh, <laughs> he didn't do his required reading. And it, it, it just baffles me that this is the same gentleman who brought us Chronicle. I mean, I know he didn't write Chronicle, but it, it's amazing to me how, yeah. how incompetent I think this movie is. Uh, totally. And that's the whole thing is that Again, following the production for so long and being so interested in the idea, because I actually love the Al Capone story um, just in general, because I think he was a really fascinating individual, like one of the most notorious gangsters of all time, you know, kind of the last of his kind. He was in Alcatraz, like he spent time in like the most notorious prison of all time. And there's so much that you could have done with this that Trank doesn't seem to know what he's doing and it also does the one thing that i hate with just about anything is that there's a like 20 minute sequence that turns out to be all in capone's head yeah and it's just really bad storytelling and doesn't work in any regard and talking about the uh tommy gun yeah sequence yeah that whole sequence is mind-boggling and doesn't even fit in this film number one well actually first of all I think it's just easily one of the most engaging sequences, but it's because it's hyper-violent and it involves the character, Tom Hardy, Al Capone, shooting a Tommy gun and just laying waste to people. Just as simple. And I'm not saying you're not saying that, but to actually agree with you, the, the movie could have, and I think I see that it was trying to show this spiral is a the spiraling out of control with it which again kind of to your point doesn't work because it's a sequence in his head so it's like okay maybe mm-hmm. the maybe in the movies like you know we're, we're diving deeper and deeper into his mania spiraling out of control if you will the the one time that i think he does spiral out of control it's it's this dream sequence so it's like okay did we utilize that storytelling technique and maybe you never had to maybe you can tell the story without doing that but there's like there's there's hints or like pieces that it wants to do some of those things and it never really takes hold and i also want to ask you because again like you, you follow the production a little bit more so the the parts that i think are supposed to be trippy the parts that i think are supposed to be somewhat scary i as an audience member was confused and i actually need your help I don't, okay. I don't know if the movie was trying to get me to question what was real or what was not. And as far as I know, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I know everything, what was real and what was not. But I don't understand its usefulness to the story. So I don't either. And that's kind of what I was getting at. Was so that- let, let, let's start at the top because I think one of the things, one of the first things that we were kind of introduced to is whether or not the what was it the fbi whether or not the investigators were actually on the property across the lake spying on them right right so if we're supposed to understand as an audience member that this gentleman he's got syphilis he's losing his mind quite literally in front of us 
it would make sense to show, okay, he's paranoid, he thinks all of these people are investigating. But as far as I know, they were actually there, right? So instead of spending time with someone who uh, is seeing things that aren't there, he's kind of, he's seeing things that are there, and you're really not discussing his mania if you're doing that am i wrong right well right but there is a lot in the film also that does have things that are not there there's like that whole sequence where he goes down the stairs and he goes into the basement and there's like this giant party going on yeah that was so bizarre and super out of place and i think part of that is supposed to feel like you're watching flashbacks from his life of major things but it just doesn't come together and, and it's super frustrating. I do want to put an asterisk real quick, especially for our listeners, because people might comment below and be like, you all didn't like this movie because you didn't understand the dream sequences. No, we already don't like the movie, and we have some questions, too. Again, we've yeah. already we've kind of already discussed, and I'm sure we're not done, talking about how it fails fundamentally. But now I'm just asking questions to make sure. I'm going to try to at least understand this movie if I can. But Yeah, and I think that's supposed to be essentially flashback sequences, right? But the problem is, is that I don't even think the movie sets that up correctly. Like that should be happening way more throughout the film if it's supposed to matter. Right. And can we also talk about the fact that in this movie, for whatever reason, we have legitimately two sequences where he shits himself or wets himself within like 10 minutes of each other. Right. What the hell? Like, I really I understand the need to be showing that Capone was sick and like not well. But holy shit, dude, that they legitimately don't make me feel for him. They make me like him even less. And a part of it is I think Hardy is awful to your point earlier. I think he's overacting and it has gotten to the point where kind of to your, you tweeted it yesterday that you've decided that like Hardy is just not a very good actor and just kind of not a commodity. Well, hold on, hold on. That's not, I didn't say he wasn't a good actor. I think he is a good actor. I, I don't, or there's, y- yeah, there's, there's this thing about Tom Hardy, and he has a very different type of brand, right? He's not like a Tom Cruise, and he's not like a Hemsworth. You know what I mean? He, he's right. He's he's very much a tool for a director, but I don't know that he has this kind of like brand recognition. He we we obviously know Tom Hardy, but I think when you get a little bit bigger, you zoom out and you look at casual audiences, general audiences, you look at the movies that he's chosen to do in his career, he's got a very different brand, honestly. Right. And, you know, some of that brand, it, it's memeable. You know, the idea that he wears so many masks and we're, we're kind of also just unsure who Tom Hardy is as an actor. At least well, I am anyway. It was really interesting and like not to, throw this too off topic but it's connected to the overall point i don't know if you saw the article that's because mad max just turned five and there's this whole oral history article that's out right now and one of the things that was in the article was apparently the editor talking about hardy's performance and how that he had such a hard time editing it around it because he kept trying to do different things with the character that were like overly comedic or all these different things and trying to rein it in the edit and it wasn't until this like last time he watched it after five years he's like it took me five years to finally be able to watch the movie and feel comfortable the my personal opinion is that i think i think there is a good actor in tom hardy and of course because he's done great performances i'm into bane i'm into inception or whatever but it's like impossible for me 
I, I've said in the past before I'm a fan of Tom Hardy, and I'm sure I've been like, oh, I'm excited that this he's going to get this role, blah, 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 blah. But there's no way for me to be a fan of Tom Hardy. <laughs> like there, He makes it hard sometimes, dude. I'm he's not going to lie. Like, he, he is exhausting to watch a lot of the time. He, he just annoys me now more than i like actively enjoy something because like i love his performance in warrior and i think that's maybe one of the most like that that's the most i've gotten out of tom hardy probably is in the movie warrior i think that might be his best performance i don't think you're wrong on that right and and i'm a big fan of bane i i love bane i i love what he did with that character i love his voice i love his physique i love his presence in the movie and what him and nolan accomplished together but other than that man he's extremely frustrating i hate I'm over these grunting ticks, you know, he, he first, that's started. almost all he does in this movie, yeah. by the way. Yeah. It, it's well, first of all, you, you just can't understand him in any movie. It doesn't matter what fucking voice he's doing. You just can't understand him, but he's, you know, obviously just doing all these grunts and, and making all these noises. And it started with lawless. I remember, I remember being like, "What the hell is he doing here?" And then he carries that into Mad Max. He carries it. He's been doing it ever since. And it's like, bro, when are you actually going to act like a human being? In, in right. any, I, I just, I don't get Tom Hardy anymore. I don't. I legitimately don't get Tom Hardy. And I, I finally came to the realization, like, man, I just have not enjoyed you in forever, dude. I just haven't. No, and I I don't disagree. I didn't even like him really in Dunkirk. I think that was one of his better performances because it was not very grunty and things like, like that. But, but it's he, like, what do you what do you, out. what do you have to take away from that though? You know what I mean? It's like it's a dude. No matter who the actor is, that role it's not like it's screaming off the page or off the off the screen. Right. You know, so it it kind of doesn't matter. It, I I don't think if it was anybody else, it would be any better. But you're you're definitely not going to take anything away from that role. No, yep. and that's the you're not wrong, and that's exactly it, I think. And that's kind of I really hate to really pounce on him like that, but this movie, especially just because it made me so aware of how I'd been feeling about him lately. And I think a lot of it, like Trank was talking about that this was really the movie they wanted to make and like this was the their vision. And I'm trying to understand where anyone in the world would want that to be their vision of Capone. Right. I, I, I just Again, I get he was a sickly man, but there was other ways to portray that. And I think this movie does a terrible job of doing it or a terrible job of making me care. What's interesting is I think uh, Noel Fisher, who plays Junior, his son in the movie, from also in Shameless, I think there's a Capone movie where that guy could have played a better Capone. Honestly. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And sure. That, that might be the only thing that I thought was like the, the only conscious decision that I agreed with in this movie is that uh, Trank casted a young actor that looked like Tom Hardy as Capone. I was kind of like, OK, that's the only thing that's inspired to me is that he tried to get a good actor that looked like Hardy's Capone. Um, I, I, I still have a few questions about what was real and what was not. Um, or at least why Tr- Trank decided to tell it a certain way. So I, I, even before 
we were kind of questioning the FBI agents and stuff. The shot of him, like he was chasing after the girl, and then him and the parade of children come out onto the lawn, right? Right. And then there's a, a first-person POV shot of one of the uh, FBI agents through a scope or binoculars, yeah, whatever it like was, it, seeing that pile on. That wasn't real. The the sh- the kids were not real. So why did Trank shoot that the FBI agents could see them? Were were they not real at that point? I thought they were real at that point. Linda Am Cardellini. Linda Cardellini said that there were no kids later oh, on in right. the movie. Right, dude. I trying to think back because they. they no, because she said that the house had – she was looking forward to it being quiet because there had been so many people there or something. But that this goes to show how frustrating this movie is. Well, because, I, have, I have another – I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have another no, no, example, I, but go ahead. No, no I was just going to say how much – like if you're trying to make it a fever dream, now I'm even less – happy with the movie because they're the matt dylan stuff is super fucking confusing for me that's that's my next example so the movie introduces matt dylan's character he he gets a phone call he needs to go down and check out capone and then when we see them together it's a dream sequence mm-hmm. right which we don't know until later and it's weird because linda carnalini is apparently the one who calls him so the only thing that i can think of is that he's literally only not there when they're sitting in, uh, excuse me, on the back porch on the dock, because that's when it's kind of revealed that he's not actually sitting there. But, so, but the fishing trip was real because there was no, there's no like sleight of hand reveal that they didn't go on the fishing trip together. Because if you remember too, it's like Matt Dillon is driving him away, and Capone has to be dressed in like a woman's costume just so he can get out. So I could see that. But also, like, so what happened to Matt Dillon to where he couldn't actually be in the scene uh, the, when Capone he, imagined him? Right, because then afterwards we find out that the flashback sequence where it's the party and he sees someone being murdered, it's Matt Dillon's character. Right. So it's super fucking confusing. And yes. again, it's not that I don't understand it. I clearly understand what they're doing. I just don't think that the movie narratively makes sense of itself. I agree. Also, there's a lot of there are a lot of uh, beats in here that I think if we expanded on them a little bit more, we could have gotten a better story. Like Kyle, Kyle McLaughlin, I think, had this interesting dynamic because he was kind of like working for the investigators, right? Right. Because he was, but it's like that's. But the movie never. The movie's not about that. You know what I mean? There, mm-hmm. There's no. Again, every opportunity for a hook as like the backbone of what this movie could be, it, it, it all fails. It really does because we're, we're not really understanding his mania at this point. The movie, right. the movie doesn't try to, and th- this is okay. It didn't have to, but it certainly doesn't help now that this movie is a failure in our eyes. But there, this movie isn't like an educational like biopic. You know what I mean? Exactly. And again, and again that's fine. There's no like educational aspect to this is the story of Al Capone, and, but and that's fine. I I want that now that I know what we got. But um, the the only time that I thought we had almost an effective scene was when the investigators actually sit down with Capone uh, later on in the movie. I think it's Neil Brennan who plays his uh, lawyer, and then Trank plays the other investigator with the dude from uh, Jack Loudon from uh, Fighting with My Family. 
that that's the only like movie scene, if you will. I think mm-hmm. in this entire movie, and I told you as we were watching it, this should have been the beginning of the movie. Um, yeah, and, and feel you know feel free to flash back to some of the other stuff that we've already seen before, but it it it's such an awkwardly placed scene. It's in the last act of the film and it ultimately ends up going nowhere, but it is sort of an opportunity for exposition. It is an opportunity for the investigator to ask Al Capone about, you know, what he's been experiencing, what he's been doing, things like that. It's like, why is this here, dude? Um, that, that there were a couple of instances where I like, I was like, Oh, this, this could have been the movie. And it wasn't right. And I, legitimately at a, I'm at a point I was having this conversation with someone recently and they were trying to compare Neil Blomkamp to Josh Trank oh, in God. a very similar situation like in their career trajectory and I'm like absolutely not like I don't love Chappie but I like Elysium a ton and I think that he's a much more competent filmmaker than anything at this point Trank God. has showed. That's such a false equivalency dude. I, I know I agree and <laughs> I am at the point where I don't like I appreciate that Trank has tried to really like, you know, clean up his act or whatever and like tried to come around and be like a better person. That's great. But as a filmmaker, I think he does not work. And I think that this was like the I even said this to you as we were watching it and it was over. That was maybe the most vain film I've ever seen. Like what a vanity project. And look, every movie should be a filmmaker's vanity project in a way like look at Jay and silent Bob reboot clearly a vanity project for Kevin Smith, Mm. but like it wasn't self-indulgent in a way that it turned me off. If does that make sense to you? Like I was so turned off by the choices made in this film that it felt like Trank was actively just trying to do the things that he felt would push the audience. Yeah. And I mean, that and I, is upsetting. I, I, I told you that I was getting like really irritated just seeing Trank on screen because right. I had already had enough of him. And it was kind of like he kept popping back up. He was haunting me. Like he was, it felt like he was, I was being trolled by Josh Trank because I couldn't believe this movie was real. And then the next thing I know, he's kind of like showing up. And uh, it, I don't know. It just felt so vain, like as you said. It yeah, was just. It- just a very vain vain film which look and i'm sure that there's people out there who were who are going to enjoy it and like more power to you but there was a much more interesting film to be had here in just about any other way and (laughs) i was so frustrated by the time it was over you left because you were so upset you were just like no i can't do this like this is like you were just it it was over and we were both mad i watched the untouchables after because i had to be like i need to watch a good movie with al capone and you watch that movie and it's like a competent filmmaker with more than competent actors really doing something incredible. I I legitimately thought about getting up in the, in the halfway in the middle of the movie and just giving up on it. I, I I knew you did because you asked me how much longer the movie was. Yeah, I, I legitimately contemplated on stopping there because I could just tell I got it. Everything I need to know about this movie. And I'll, and I'll say that to our audience if you if you haven't watched it yet. I know everything there is to know about this movie within the first 50 minutes. It, it, it never, ever, ever alleviated its, uh, itself. I mean, out of its problems at any point. No, not and at all. It, it's just simply not entertaining. It's severely incompetent. 
as a movie. I'm shocked. I wonder if it's gone down a little bit, but I mean, this movie came out on Tuesday, and I think when I checked it, the uh, tomato meter, it's so it's at 39 at the time that we were... 39 uh, critics consensus of 39 audience score. So I think when we watched it, it was more like 55, and I was shocked it it's wasn't dropped lower. a lot. But it, it, but it, it has, yeah, dropped significantly. Um, well, it's because I think a few people got screeners, but for the most part, like, there really wasn't. And now people are watching it. These critics are reviewing it. Things are being said. And now we're seeing the ramifications of this movie existing, essentially. Yeah. And it's just too bad because, again, I do actually like the idea of Josh Trank actually like bouncing back and doing something, but like, I, I just can't even go to bat for him anymore. Like I honestly, it sucks because I thought Chronicle was great. And now I'm really chalking that up to the script and beginner's luck versus actually the movie itself. Yeah. And I really, I'd be cool if Trank never worked again. And that's really unfortunate. I don't want to feel that way. And yet, like, I would be fine if he just never made another movie. I think the entire film community, and I say this as someone, I, I did it too. I did exactly what I'm about to say. I think we all drink the Kool-Aid, but it's what, it's what happens. We see a great movie by a young, up-and-coming filmmaker. We get excited about what the rest of his career is. It's just what happens, right. it's whether, true. whether it's Josh Trank or not. So I, I think initially I don't feel bad about that. I feel justified in that. It's gotten to the point, though. Where, for well, for one, the false equivalency of Neil Blomkamp is I, I at least think that his movies are like divisive in the sense that they still have an audience, whether you're Lyceum or Chappie. I don't, I don't really understand why people are so furious with Chappie. I don't I've get ne- it either. It's just I, I I think it's average, and I but I enjoy it. I mean, I think there's plenty to like about Chappie. I I don't understand people that freak out about how terrible it is. I've never gotten it. But um, but anyway, it's a false equivalency because I think unanimously we've just decided that, I mean, this dude, look, we we saw the tweet. He yep. said that there was a better version of Fantastic Four. It's like, okay, well, studio screwed this guy over. He's going to get to make the movie that he wants to make with Capone, and it's just as bad, maybe worse. He's got one of the most uh, utilized actors under the makeup playing a super, you know, popular person in American culture. And none of it hits. And, and, but that's the other thing too. It's like, I saw a tweet that was like, some said something along the lines of we need to appreciate Linda Cardellini more, I guess commenting on the fact that she was underutilized in this movie. I mean, like I said, these, there's some, there's some good actors in here. They're, they're not playing anybody. Mm. I mean, there's nothing to anybody else in this movie. No, I mean, look, I'm, I've liked Matt Dillon since I saw the outsiders for the first time, you know, and I think he's one of, he's a great character actor. He has legitimately nothing to do in this movie. He's not a character at all. I mean, he's good when he's in it, but he's not doing anything. Why, why not explore Linda Cardellini's character, though? Is yeah, it, and what she's is, dealing with. It is fascinating to me. A movie about Al Capone's wife. What, whether it's during his uh, sickness, the last year of his life, or not. Like, that might be the most interesting character. 
and she's just as empty as everybody else. I mean, that moment that she hits him in the movie, I was rooting for her at that point. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was just ready for Tom Hardy to get off the screen. <laughs> I can't Honestly. believe how little I like him in this movie. Yeah. I really can't, man. Like, it feels like it would be such a good role for him, and I can't stand him in it. I know. I know. I, I, I'm sad, man. I'm sad. I don't like not liking things. You know that. I mean, yeah, if I had to choose. Yeah, right. Would, would I rather like Capone? Yes, absolutely. Right. But uh, I, I, I don't want anybody. It, my, my friend last night, I was uh, my friend Josh last night, we were playing Call of Duty, and he got off to, to watch a movie with his, with his wife. And we didn't even talk about what he was going to watch. I just had to make sure, hey, don't watch Capone. Whatever you do. And I don't even know if you're aware that this movie exists. I don't know if this is something you were going to look at. But just don't watch any movie called Capone starring Tom Hardy. And I I don't recommend this to anybody at all. Like, if if you're rooting for Josh Trank, you're ready to see the next. No, he he failed. (laughs) He failed hard. He failed again. Yeah. Um, It's just so sad, man. It really is because, again, I think most of us were actually like legitimately rooting for this guy to we make were. a comeback. I mean, how unfortunate and how sad that it feels like we really championed this guy. And look, again, I said it earlier. I'm glad he got to make the movie he wanted to make, but I don't want to see that movie ever again. It, it's look, I, I don't hate Josh Trank, no, or anything, but. It's okay to just be like, I'm not a fan of that dude. I mean, in the way that I'm not a fan of Michael Bay, I don't take him seriously as a film director anymore. Like, Josh Trank is in that category. It's like, sorry, man. I've I've had enough, you know? Yeah, and And, that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Like, I just can't go back. And I mean, this can turn around. All it takes is for one good movie. I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to believe that you know, from here on out, he's always going to make good movies. But if his next movie's good, then that movie will be good, and I will give it credit. But I'm not, I'm not drinking Kool Aid again, and, and, and I'm not going to um, predetermine that he's back or that right. he's figured it out. You know what I mean? It's like wait and see. But I, I, I'm, I'm just not a fan. And it, he's really got to prove it to me this time. He really does. <laughs> yeah. Do Trank, Josh Trank, do anything interesting. You made a movie. You made a movie about Al Capone and managed to make it extremely uninteresting, especially an Al Capone haunted by his past. Like, think about that. Think about the ideas of what you could have done, where Al Capone is in his house, sick and dying, and haunted by the things that he's done, and is legitimately haunted. Think about that movie. That sounds more interesting, doesn't it? Like the ghost of the people he's killed, like legitimately haunting him. It 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 does, yeah. I let me let me ask you this: when when we see movies like Wolf of Wall Street, there mm-hmm. there are you know conversations about hey, are we glorifying these men or women who have done terrible things? Right, right. How do you how do you feel about that conversation uh, going into because? And again, kind of going back to the point I made, it's not there's no education on Al Capone. So it's like 
I, I'm aware going into it that he's one of the most notorious gangsters, but the movie doesn't really involve itself in that too much. In fact, the most violent thing... Well, of course, there's the sequence of the Tommy gun, but the second most violent thing is when that man in the chair is being stabbed. The one uh, that's Matt Dillon. Matt, yeah, when he's being stabbed over and over again. Al Capone's not the one doing that. No, he's just watching. And that's the thing is like, I don't know if it, it's so silly to say this, but like, I don't know anyone who was paying attention to my Instagram yesterday. But one of the things I had tweeted out or Instagrammed on was the scene in The Untouchables where De Niro's character as Capone is walking the table and he's talking about teamwork and the idea of a team and stuff like that. And he's got a baseball bat and everyone's like, they're at this dinner table. Everyone's nodding along and he's just talking and it's very, you know, also subtly happening. And then he turns around and beats one of the dudes to death who had betrayed him. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I wanted out of this movie. Not that I needed this version of Capone to do that, but like I would have loved to see a sequence like that in his head where he sees that play out. But then like what happens then? Then the dude he murdered is like haunting him. I don't know, man. I just think that there was such an interesting idea in that kind of concept. And this movie fails to capitalize on it at all. The most haunting thing is that little kid who keeps popping up. So, And he's not even scary. It's just a kid. It's just sitting there. So in response to what you just said and revisiting my original question, it's it's almost as if... Is it possible that this movie fails because it fails on having us ask if he's being glorified or not? Like, think about that. Yeah, With, I think you're, you're not wrong. It, it's so ineffective, like, we can't even have that conversation. Like, because that's how little we feel like this movie explored his character. Yeah. Is, and am that, I, I guess sense? that's, yeah, because I think that's kind of what I was going to say and kind of get at with what you were talking about is that I think at the end of the day, when you look at what they did with the untouchables, does it glorify it a little bit? Yes. But at the end of that movie, spoiler alert for the untouchables, he goes to prison. Right. Right. So the, the, at the time of watching that, is it a glorification? Maybe, but it also shows his undoing. Hmm. This movie doesn't do anything like that. Like, I mean, you see that he went to prison, but he was sick before he went to prison. They make that clear. He's had syphilis since he was 15. That was yeah. one of the only things that the movie actually made clear was that he was sick before all of that. So that's part of the reason he was always kind of deranged is his mind was always just never really on the mend. And so that makes him who he is. So there was no glorification and there was no not glorif. It was just uninteresting. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not – yeah, the, I guess the idea of – like, we can't even – it's not that I wanted it to glorify Al Capone, but it's right. the fact that we can't even discuss if it does or not because it doesn't challenge us in any way. So mm. No, the, it doesn't again, challenge and, and, and again, the anything. two violent scenes, one of them is not him, and then the other one is a dream sequence, and it's Al Capone. <laughs> yeah. So – and, and I know that there, there might be someone who says, well, it's not fully a dream sequence. He clearly shoots the one dude. Yeah, he shoots one dude, and then everything after that becomes the dream sequence. Yeah, And that's the, that's the other thing, is that dream sequences are all from other people's point of view. Mm. Like, you see Linda Cardellini's point of view of this. You see the doctor's point of view of all this. So is he, like, is it supposed to be in his head he's seen all this from different vantage? Like, it doesn't, narratively, it doesn't work. Oh, we haven't even mentioned the aspect of exploring the fact that he had this other son. The movie yeah. does nothing with that. 
Yeah. Absolutely nothing. We're yeah. not, we don't give a shit about that at all. And so when he shows Crazy. up at the end, spoiler alert, and he puts his hand on his father's hand, why do I care? That That's when I, okay, so on Twitter, my friend Kurt asked me, how, you know, is it worth watching, blah, 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 blah. And I my response to him, and guys, if you listen to my content, you know how often I throw this around. The, this movie is nothing sort of moniker term that I, that I, a lot of the time I'm just being dismissive, but when I watch the the movie, spend the time on the, on that scene with with him and his son, I I realize that this movie is truly nothing. It it is just useless. Um, (laughs) I am, I'm not being, I mean, I'm being dismissive, I guess, but I'm not being hyperbolic and I'm not just trying to get a reaction i'm not being flippant this this movie is legitimately nothing it's legitimately absolutely nothing and i it's the first time in a long time that i can we said it about vivarium a little bit too and that movie (laughs) these are very similar in that i just think that they go out of their way to be they're trying to go out of their way to be so different that they forget what storytelling meant but this this movie shows me more of what I think Vivarium and like the assistant. I mean, it makes watching Capone makes Vivarium and uh, the assistant feel more competent to us than, than when we reviewed them. I mean, I'm looking back at those movies. I'm like, ah, actually they were actually doing this and you know, I can actually get on board with this and blah, blah, blah. And this was like Capone made me realize that uh, some of the other movies that I thought were the worst of the year are not actually the worst of the year. I mean, I think, even even Bloodshot, I enjoy more than this. Um, oh, I've got Bloodshot higher than this on my list. C- C- on my on my list, Capone is one hundred is legitimately the last my worst movie of the year. I have it just over Vivarium, but that could really change at any time. Yeah, and that's really really crazy, isn't it? When you think about that, like yep. oh my god, dude! I I really I'm st- wow. Yeah, so we we talked a little bit longer than I initially said. It's actually a good podcast length. It's okay. We're we we just crossed forty minutes, but um, I think we we've said everything that uh, yeah. there is to say about this movie. Um, I got nothing left, man. I don't want to ever think about this movie ever again. Again, I can already predict, <laughs> like. Whether you like understood the dream sequences and shit better than we did or not, it, it doesn't at all change how I feel about this movie. If I, if I'm wrong about that and you clear that up for me, p- please clear it up. If I, if if I'm wrong in interpreting some of that stuff, but it's it's not gonna change. So don't even try. It's not gonna change how I feel about the movie, and you're not gonna <laughs> shame me for not understanding because I also just don't care. I don't want anyone to try to change my opinion either, and that's not because I don't want to. He- have my opinion change it's i just don't think there's anything left to i don't feel like i ever want to talk about it again and if you like it great and i don't want to take that away from you but it did not do anything for me there and i i I don't know if there are even people and i hate being defensive already because i don't even know if you people exist just so you know there's literally nothing you can say to me that will change the placement of this movie for me on my 2020 list. The only way Capone's going to change is if I think there's a worse movie. You will never make me feel differently about this movie. So just remember that. PJ Campbell, 
Let's let's get out of here. In, in a couple of hours, we're going to be watching Looper on your YouTube channel, and that's that's just what I want to focus on. So please tell the people where they can find you online. This will be out after that happens, but they can still go back and watch it, right? Yes, yes, they can. You can find us over at the PJ Campbell Network where we are going to be doing a watch-along of Looper. This is our third film in the Ryan Johnson month of May because May decided to have five Fridays, so we decided to have Ryan Johnson month which leads us to Last Jedi next week, which is going to be very interesting and I'm very excited about. So you guys can find us over there at the PJ Campbell Network. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at PJ underscore Campbell. And that's pretty much that, guys. Stay out, stay safe out there. I know that uh, states are reopening and stuff. Just be careful. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Be smart. Don't be dumb. Yeah. Twitter <laughs> and Instagram at WhatUpSnell. Please Check out the Movie House YouTube channel if you are a podcast listener and give us a, a subscribe. And uh, the dogs are uh, deciding that the podcast is over. So <laughs> There's a siren. Uh, a cop car just went by or something. And you, know what? Barking at the cop car. you know what? Maybe the only time I'm cool with the dogs barking because it's <laughs> just it's just a Capone podcast. That's um, true. Twitter and Instagram at WhatUpSnell, if I didn't say that already, Movie House YouTube channel. We'll